By the time Susan was crying, I handed her a tissue. She looked at John. His first comment was, I don't understand her. After a brief pause, he continued, I've done everything I know to show her that I love her, especially the last two or three years since she's been complaining about it so much. Nothing seems to help. No matter what I do, she continues to complain that she doesn't feel love. I don't know what else to do. I could tell that John was frustrated and exacerbated. I inquired, what have you been doing to show your love for Susan? Well, for one thing, he said, I get home from work before she does, so I get dinner started every night. In fact, if you want to know the truth, I have dinner almost ready when she get home four nights a week. The other night, we go out to eat. I do all the vacuum because her back is bad. I do all the yard work because she's allergic to pollen. I fold the clothes when they come out of the dryer. He went on to tell me other things that he did for Susan. When he finished, I wondered, damn, what does this woman do? So John continued, I do all the things to show her that I love her, yet she sits there and say to you what she's been saying to me for two or three years, that she doesn't feel love. I don't know what else to do for her. Have you ever read a good book? that was thought-provoking and wanted to share it with your friends? Well, you come to the right place because that's what we do here. Welcome to the Bruz Bookshelf with your hosts, Lennon Givens, Walter Atkins, and Dr. Harvey Hinton III. A Real Talk book review podcast where we give you our raw commentary on our thoughts. Enjoy. On this podcast, we're going to be wrapping up Dr. Chapman's The Five Love Languages and continuing on from chapters 10 through 12. Hope you enjoy. Love is a choice. Walt, you want to talk about this chapter and the relationship between Brent and Becky? Yeah. So uh, chapter 10 opened up talking about how uh, love is a choice. And it gives uh, a Dr. Chapman, he's sitting down with, he has a relationship council that or well, meeting that he has to, to sit down with Brent and Becky. Becky and Brent, they have their normal routine. You know, he goes to work, she goes to work, et cetera, et cetera. And he feels as if like the, the marriage is, his love tank is pretty much empty at this point of time. And then Becky feels as if it's half full because of the fact they are working towards a common goal. They didn't discuss at, as to what that common goal was, but she said that they were working towards a common goal. And Brent, he feels as if, like, you know, Becky is pretty much not giving him all the TLC that he needs in a relationship. And he steps out and starts to be involved with another woman. That's where the chapter begins at. And they're sitting down trying to pretty much work it out with Dr. Chapman. And while Brent is sitting down with Dr. Chapman, now, the Chapman is basically saying that, insinuating that he knows Brent has stepped out and pursued other extramarital affairs. Brent pretty much admits that he has throughout this chapter. You will see that, you know, Brent stepped out, but it was for a lot of different reasons. So I want to ask the bros, what do y'all feel some of the reasons that Brent, like, decided to step out? <laughs> His love tank was empty. He needed a rush. <laughs> <laughs> it was about that time, huh? He needed a rush. 
I don't want to make no excuses for that, brother. But it was funny how in one of the previous chapters, Dr. Chapman, um, you know, he was talking about the biological nature of the sex drive and the physiological nature of the body and the male's needs to um, ejaculate being different from the woman's desire to have sex. And so I think when, if you if you believe that or you take that kind of stuff into consideration, there could be a lot of misfires in a relationship if you don't understand what that, the implications of that is. A- absolutely. Because it brings a lot of frustration and tension. Then that frustration and tension can turn to a lot of anger and resentment. In the yeah. chapter, it says, uh, I just don't love her anymore. He said, I haven't loved her for a long time. I don't want to hurt her, but we are not close. Our relationship has become empty. I don't enjoy being with her anymore. I don't know what has happened. I wish it were different, but I don't love her anymore. Man, that's kind of what Brent was saying. That I was like, man, how could you say that to a person you love? Well, we're once in love with. That's harsh, man. Yeah, it's simple. You um, <laughs> you, you you fall in love and then you fall out of love. But he really wasn't saying that to her. I mean, yeah, to her, he was saying that to Dr. Chapman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was saying, doc, but at, at, the, at the same time, still, though, man, it's like, wow. That's man, not- I don't know if you know this, but Teddy Pendergrass and Hell Melvin in the Blue Notes, Teddy Pendergrass said, I don't love her anymore. <laughs> it's just that simple. <laughs> So, so you know they made songs about yeah, this. Nah, remember them boys? <laughs> I gotta do what I gotta do and break her heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ralph Trash. Yeah, boys. Yeah, man. And, and I'm gonna tell you something, man. Society's, society's pressure to stay together is it creates some miserable circumstances for people. That's all it is. It's a you know he he said it real clear. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to. I don't want to do her wrong. I know what this looks like. But I just don't love her no more. Yeah, and you know, by him saying that, that means that he does. He he still he still loves her, but he's just not in love with her. And I think that's what he was expressing. And then this this new girl, this new girl was making him feel brand new. She was doing all the things that Becky wasn't doing. She was making him feel young again, and he was willing to give it all up for it. <laughs> hey, I mean, he like baby Brent ain't coming home. No risk more. it all. <laughs> yeah, willing to risk it all. Risk it all. Not, I'm not coming home. I ain't coming home. Yeah, man, it's a cold yeah. world. Cold, cold world. world. But, <laughs> in, but in the book, <laughs> his side chick, his mistress, she started seeing things in him. I believe that Becky saw in him, and some of the things that probably him and Becky used to bicker. Now, once the love started to fade away and her eyes became clear, his side chick was saying things like, you know, hey, you do this, you do that. Mm-hmm. And she eventually fell out in love with him and right. hurt him. Right. So he came back to Dr. Chapman. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> like, man, my girlfriend dumped me. Yeah, he feels you know? stupid. Stupid. Yeah, stupid. yeah. Stupid. Yeah, dog, you can't right. go out like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't go out like that, dog. That, yeah, that that's not that's not that, that's that, it's rules to this stuff, man. You can't do that, bro. Could you imagine what was going through Dr. Chapman's Chapman's mind when he pretty much was trying to plead with Brent to to stay with his wife to work it out, 
And now he's pretty much at this situation right now. Like, man, you know, my basically my side chick left, well, doesn't want to be with me anymore. And now I'm pretty much at this point. And now as the chapter moves on, Brent is pretty much trying to rekindle the love with his current wife. Right. But it worked because now he's now he's open minded because when he first went to Dr. Chapman, you know, he thought it is it's over. There's nothing that she could say or do that I'm listening. I'll listen to. I've tried. I try is over. But now that he got that distraction out of the way, he's willing to come to the table, be open minded and talk. That's Bro. what I say about cheating Bro. when like when you're when you're cheating and you know and you and you're distracted you have no motivation to try to work it out but when you get all your resources from one person you gotta try to work it out you gotta go and be like you know baby 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 please and gotta listen to her so he was distracted so now that the distraction is no longer there yeah he can work it out now and that was probably the best thing for him Bro, was he open minded or was he out of options? <laughs> I mean, that's a haze. Both? That's a straight up haze. From I mean, now forever. Is he, he out of options? Like, did, he, did, he, did he gain some weight? And, you know, did, did he gain some weight? And, uh, you know, the, 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 the girl he was with started seeing him in a different light outside of just the things he was doing, you know? Or did she get somebody else? It's so no, many- man, I just think that. I think that you are who you are. Right. And Wherever you same, go, there you are. But with a new person, you still got them same cards. You can shuffle them any kind of way you want to. You got a king, a queen, a ace, a two, and a five. You can shuffle them suckers how you want to shuffle them and, and bring them to a different card game. You still got a king, a queen, a ace, a two, and a five. And so she saw what he was working with, and she was like, man, no, I can't deal with that. Then he realized that Becky accepted him having the king, the queen, the two, and the five. Exactly. You know, and he said, you know what? She was willing to play with me and be my partner. So let me go and work this out with Becky. What happened was, like I said, she got rid of the distractions. When you're not distracted anymore and you're in bliss, you can start to sit down and think a little bit and think about what's really important. Man, he was about to leave his kids. Man. And Dr. Chapman mentioned that as well, too, about like how the the effect that it's going to have on his kids, of uh, his extramarital affairs and his new relationship. Man, sometimes the grass isn't green on the other side. Sometimes you just got to work, you know, with what you got to get what you need. Communication is key in this situation, you know? Yeah. Brent was like, man, my kid's going to be straight. I'm still going to be there. <laughs> hey, I'm going to pay tax hey, support. Hey, I'm going to pick him up the weekends. <laughs> hey, we good, dog. I ain't, it ain't even like that. I'm a good dude, dog. I ain't gonna do him like that. <laughs> hey, we gotta be man, real. Brett was kind of savage, though, ain't it? Brett was kind of savage. Hey, man. <laughs> kids are hard to please, though. You know what I mean? I ain't trying to be in that situation. Kids are hard to please, man. You'd be surprised. The kids might be at home wishing for that shit. You know, I wish they'd get divorced. I wish she'd go. I wish she'd leave. You know, you, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what the kid at home like thinking, man. You hey, know? man, I'm going to tell you something, man. Ain't nothing like that new, that new, new, that new, new be doing everything, man. You ain't got to be for it. Speak on that it. Get right, right to business, man. Expound upon that, my brother. Yeah, that, that new, new, <laughs> that, that new, new be doing things that you think she'll do forever. You know, 
that, that new new never tell you no. And, and your ass be thinking like it's gonna be like that for the rest of your life. <laughs> you, you, don't think, you never stop to think that that's how your lady was. That's how she got you. And then she switched out on you. They all come nah, to light buddy. at some point, bro. They all come to the light at some point. Yeah. It's just, and it's, and it's, coming to the light ain't in your benefit. It ain't. It ain't never in your benefit. That's why I think, yeah. I, I think the whole thing is a sham. I, man, I've been trying to stay away from this whole thing, man. I just think this whole positioning, these societal pressures, they get us caught up in some stuff, man. It's just it's just not for our best benefit. Um, I think that woman is real strong. I think she real strong, and I think she may, has to make a decision whether or not she wants your company. You know, it's just simple as that. And if she can shake the societal pressure of whatever that means that she's supposed to be with someone under someone's submission, oh my gosh, you got a fucking firecracker on your hand. And that's that's what sometimes happens. Brent, I don't know, man. I just don't think Brent was built for that life, man. I mean, I've seen some people <laughs> handle it, bro. <laughs> I, I like I like the way the story plays out. You know what I'm saying? If that's what's in the best interest of their family, that they made the choice to work through this. But a lot of times, man, people can't come back from those those situations, bro. Yeah. It'd be a lifetime haze. Go, be a lifetime haze, man. People they don't they don't want that. And they just rather say, Hey, I made a mistake. I own my mistake. We still friends. We do what's best for the kids. And, you know, I don't <sighs> Mm. I just believe that Brent was forced to go back, like I said, and reevaluate what he had. She probably came into their life and saved their marriage. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> I mean, that, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, you know? man. Sometimes, sometimes the side dude or the side girl can save your marriage. Law Hembers. Yeah, because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the people be one foot out the door and they don't leave because the side, the side dude or the side chick know you married, willing to stay in their position and just do the things that the other one won't do. Do hey, the thing to keep the smile on the face. <laughs> <laughs> and after a while, when that one start cutting up, you start looking at your lady or, you know, or you, if you're a woman looking at your man and be like, you know what? That was this person reminded me on why I chose you. And that's kind of like probably what happened with Brent, but in reverse, she dumped Brent. Brent went back and looked at his lady and was like, you know what? I had my fun. And now I'm reminded why right. I'm in love with you. It's, it's all that's a love story. That's a horrible love story, but, it's, it horrible, but, but it's, it's also cheaper to keep it too. Brent probably to also looked at his finances, man. Shit. I got these three kids. I got a wife. Keep up with that young girl. She was running. Yeah, come on, man. Let's let's be real about it. Let's be real about the situation, man. Brent was like, that bro, young girl was do running. I have the, do I have the finances to, to be able to take care of all this? I got to take care of two households. Brent probably went back to the basics, man. Do I have the finances to take care of two households? Me and this young girl, and also my wife, kids. Is that worth me having some good sex, or what's what's worthwhile? What's more important, you know? Hey. You know, not to digress too far off the book, man, but I saw the brother Steve Jackson the other day make a very strong argument to to this point. All BS aside, you know, he talked about the the downside of having multiple baby mamas and unhealthy relationships and how, you know, for a brother who doesn't have a lot of money like him, 
that's that's gonna cripple your life. And I've 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 unfortunately seen and and watched too many young men that is the cripple of their life, the the the, the failed marriage and the the scorn of the ex wife. And I you know what I mean? Like that's that's a scorn, man, that is hard hard to watch, man, because those brothers are really under a lot of um a lot of pressure financially that just you know I yeah so <laughs> society right. so, so the way society plays a role in, in us staying together um on the other side of that the the other brothers I know on the street who have multiple baby mamas that they, they say the same thing Stephen Jackson say and the brothers I know from relationships or religions that allow multiple wives they don't talk about it like they pimping you know it's obviously a stressful thing to be a provider for multiple for multiple families i mean one family hell it's hard to provide for yourself but to provide for multiple families that that's some stressful that's an economic strain on you man and um you know the brothers that do it they they don't they don't talk like it's a good thing in the end man they love their kids they love their kids (laughs) But they hate the situation, right? From a from a dad's perspective, when you have multiple baby mamas and they live in different areas, and your children are being raised in different locations, it's kind of hard to be the dad that you you really want to be and give those children the emotional support that they really need, especially that dad's love to be able to see dad go to bed, dad wake up to be able to see dad deal with his conflict, to be able to see mom and dad love each other, to work through their issues, to get back to loving each other, to go through their problems. You need to see all of that. Not just my daddy loved me, my mama loved me, but you also need to see a relationship, a couple, and how they coexist and live together. A lot of times the kids miss out on that. So it's a lot of us that are walking through this world dysfunctional. And we don't know how to deal with our issues. Sometimes we think you're supposed to argue and fight. Sometimes we think if you argue or you disagree, that means it's over and you never, you know, it's never supposed to be like that. And then you run from the situation. We don't know how to deal with stuff. So I don't know, man. It's it's different to have your kids. It's a different kind of love for your child when your child is born and raised in, uh, under your roof versus born and raised under another roof that child is under your roof i mean they get more because they have direct access to you the one that doesn't live with you you know they got to call you you got to arrange to go and see them you have to arrange to go pick them up arrange to go drop them off you know it's it's two different kind of loves it's two different kind of connections and i think you cheat the babies when you have multiple baby mamas that's just my thought no, you do. You're absolutely right. Hey, man. Love makes a difference. Love is not our only emotional need. Psychologists have observed that among our basic needs are the need for security, self-worth, and significance. Love, however, interface with all of those. Love makes the difference. Dog, there's a story in this chapter about... Susan and John. When you hear Susan and John's story, it kind of reminds you of the typical old couple and how they go about their everyday lives 
and their everyday regimen. And you would think that both of them are really in love because they settle into a routine. But with Susan and John's story, that is really not the case. They're both, they both was unhappy, particularly John had been unhappy for a while, but he just didn't say anything. He just thought that's just the way it was. Dog. Susan was unhappy. And John was confused why Susan was unhappy. And it was just a minor tweak. What you were saying, Harvey? Susan said that their unhappiness has nothing to do with money. She read in the magazine that money was the biggest factor for most people's unhappiness. And that was not the case for them because they had both worked and saved their money well. The house was paid for. The cars was paid for. They still was unhappy, dog. And because Buddy is like, shit, the, the house is paid for, the car is paid for. <laughs> right. And he also said, right. He said, because he was like, what you complaining about? You know, you don't have, you don't have to want anything financially. Like you said, the house paid for, cars paid for, we, we straight on retirement. But he ain't was that, like, man, we're enough? like two roommates living in the same house. Ain't that enough? There's nothing going on between us. I don't feel like, I don't feel any love coming from him. She said, there's no warmth, no emotion. It's empty. It's dead. I don't even think I can go on much longer like this. So but why he thinking it's all good? You know, she plotting on the pool guy. Man, I think I think all this is new. I think all this is in real life. Let me just cut out of this book for a minute. I think these these relational situations, people ain't had time for this stuff in, in the past. They won't together this long to be mad at each other and miserable and left alone and not knowing what to do. Like none of that was was yesterday's relationship as a total, especially not for black folks. We were coming out of slavery. Oh, I, mean, I disagree with you. Listen, man, we coming out of slavery. Like our 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 dysfunction is you go to where the granddaddy sleep in one bedroom and the grandma sleep in another bedroom. That was that was. That oh, was my grandma, granddad house. No, my grandma, granddad. That was my grandma, granddad house. But I also had, yeah, I, I also had a. Hey, hold on. When you for say real, that they real. didn't deal with that, yes, they did. They just Dog. didn't have the Dog. resources to break up or the resources to go. And yes, they counsel. did. Yes, they did. You're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying, though. I'm saying this idea that you're supposed to be in love forever is new. Nobody they won't doing that in the past is what I'm saying. And what you just spoke to, that reality, them double beds, that's just what that was. And guess what? Somebody outside that house was still suffering. So them double beds, that was just one part of the puzzle. You know, I seen double beds. I seen the man had two girlfriends. I done been to both girlfriends' house. Like, like that, I done seen a whole lot of stuff, man, of yesterday that does not speak to healthy, loving relationships is what I'm saying. That traumatic experience of, of child slavery, you know, people people didn't get a chance to hold hands and love. White folks damn sure won't doing it. They won't never doing that for, to each other. These are cave people. I mean, don't, don't, I ain't mean to say that. Barbaric. Think about movies like Braveheart and 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 Troy and all these kind of things. These are these are barbaric warrior type people. So we're just now coming to an age and time when people are able to say, oh, do you love me? I don't feel any love from you. That's not a historical thing, you know? Yeah, but people you know were occupied with but, work but in real that, life we, in the past. But now that we are aware and we know that, hey man, uh, there is a possibility that 
when you live to 105, Harvey, with your wife, y'all can be in love every last one of those years. So and that's, that's what this the, book is about. The ones this the book people, is about, hey, man, when things start going awry, there's a way to repair that. And people, I think what you're saying is back then, they probably didn't even know that that was even possible. Nah, they didn't. That's what I'm saying. They was, they was just living, bro. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad living. that we're living in the days that, you know, <laughs> that we can, but if that, we don't die from coronavirus, we could be in love <laughs> until, I mean, until being, the day that we die. It's great to be able to have the access to tap into a resource that can get you back on track. You know what I'm saying? And so that you can invest into that. But it just comes across sometimes, though, that when you talk about not not seeing and not having those models and, and that kind of stuff, that's all part of the human growth process. And as as humans and mankind continues to have new new developments and technologies and such, how we interact with people is going to constantly change. Corona going, you know, now we got to do six feet. Dog, I'm so happy to be married right now. Like, could you... Like, I wonder, I guess the players are still playing. I guess hoes are still hoeing right now. I don't know what it's like to be out there. You know, if you if you on quarantine and you single and you in the house like shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're right, dog. You're really, you're really right, you know though, man. Like, you're going to have to be extra creative, man. Extra creative so, to be able to even approach women these days. You're not worried about you. You, you worried about AIDS, SCDs, and Corona. Right? You, know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, you know what I'm saying. That's a tough one to worry about. Corona. Right now, being married during the coronavirus is a good place to be. Let me get back to the book. Get back to the book. Story about John and Susan. Okay. In the book, by the time Susan was crying, I handed her a tissue. She looked at John. His first comment was, I don't understand her. At the brief pause, he continued, I've done everything I know to show her that I love her, especially the last two or three years since she's been complaining about it so much. Nothing seems to help. No matter what I do, she continues to complain that she doesn't feel love. I don't know what else to do. I could tell that John was frustrated and exacerbated. I inquired, what have you been doing to show your love for Susan? Well, for one thing, he said, I get home from work before she does, so I get dinner started every night. In fact, if you want to know the truth, I have dinner almost ready when she get home four nights a week. The other night, we go out to eat. I do all the vacuum because her back is bad. I do all the yard work because she's allergic to pollen. I fold the clothes when they come out of the dryer. He went on to tell me other things that he did for Susan. When he finished, I wondered, Damn, what does this woman do? So John continued, I do all the things to show her that I love her, yet she sits there and say to you what she's been saying to me for two or three years, that she doesn't feel love. I don't know what else to do for her. And when I turned back to Susan, she said, Dr. Chapman, all those things are fine. But I just want him to sit and talk to me. We don't ever talk. He always doing something. I want him to be with me and give me some time to look at me, to talk to me about us, about our lives. Susan was crying again. It was obvious to me that her primary love language was quality time. She was crying for attention. She wanted to be treated as a person, not an object. John's business did not seem to meet her emotional needs. 
as I talked further with John, I discovered that he didn't feel loved either, but he wasn't talking about it. He just reasoned. If you've been married for 35 years and your bills are paid and you don't argue, what more can you hope for? That's where that's where I was. But when I asked him, what would be an ideal wife for you? If you could have the perfect wife, what would she be like? He looked at me in my eye for the first time and asked, do you really want to know? Yes, I said. So he sat up on the couch, folded his arms across <laughs> his chest with a big smile on his face. And he said, I've been dreaming about this. I've been dreaming about this. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my opportunity to tell you what my perfect wife would be. A, uh, a wife who would come home in the afternoon and fix dinner for me. I'll be working in the yard and she would come and call me to eat. At the dinner, she would wash the dishes. I would probably help her with some, but she would take the responsibility. She would sew the buttons on my shirt when they fall off. Susan couldn't contain herself any longer. She turned to him and said, but you told me that you like to cook. He said, I don't mind cooking, John replied, but damn. The man asked me what would be ideal. I knew John's primary love language without another word, acts of service. In his mind, this was the way you show love by doing things for people. The problem was that doing things was not Susan's primary love language. It did not meet her emotionally. What would it have meant for him if she would did the things for him? When the truth dawned on John, the first thing he said was, why didn't somebody tell me this years ago? Could have been sitting here talking to her 50 minutes every night instead of doing all that stuff. He said, basically, <laughs> shit, I'd rather be talking than washing dishes and, and cooking and folding clothes. He turned to Susan and said, for the first time in my life, I finally understand what you mean when you say we don't talk. I could never understand that. I thought we did talk. I always ask, did you sleep well? I thought we were talking, but now I understand. I give you 15 minutes every night for the rest of my life starting tonight. You can count on that. Susan looked at John and said, baby, I would love that. And she continued, I don't mind fixing dinner for you. <laughs> it would have to be uh, later than usual because I get out work later than you, but I don't mind cooking and I'd be happy to sew your buttons on. You never left them off long enough for me to get to them. I wash dishes for the rest of my life if you make me feel love. Susan and John went home and started loving each other in the right love languages. In less than two months, they was on the second month honeymoon. After a trip to the Bahamas, they called to tell me that the radical change had taken place in their marriage. Can emotional love be reborn in a marriage? You bet. The key is to learn the primary love language of your spouse and choose to speak it. What y'all think about that story? Man, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, Dog, she wanted John to hit it. And John to come home from uh, work and cook, clean, wash clothes, fold them up, and he'd go straight to sleep. And she's nah, like, man, hey. shit, but, but John was tired, bro. John was so domesticated. Bro, look, John was more domesticated <laughs> than any guy that I probably know. <laughs> bro, who's going to work? Coming home doing all those chores. And look, and, and reading this passage made me realize <laughs> that. Like, look, right, right, right. That's what I'm saying, right? Look, <laughs> women. Yeah, look, dog, you're right. Reading no, this no passage made me realize right. that yeah. I, I, to the matter, too, like how much I should appreciate my wife, dog. Well, you say, Walt, you appreciate the baby. 
You appreciate you, you appreciate your lady walk. She yeah, man. I, I was saying, bro, reading this passage, knowing how much stuff that John had to do in order to somewhat please his wife, and she wasn't even pleased about it, um, made me appreciate my wife that much more. You know, I mean, she comes home and and does all the chores pretty much in the house. So I help out on Saturdays, but throughout the week, bro, I'm pretty much like diving into my business. You know, and Hearing hearing all the stuff that John had to do in the house, man, that's a lot for one person to even to even have have to endure, man. So I mean, hats off to to my wife. But that was his love language. It wasn't her love language, and that's kind of like the the point of the book. Right. The point of the book is we keep expressing our love language to our partner, but that's not the language that they speak. Absolutely. And so as long as soon as we learn to express our love to them in their love language and then they express our love back to us in our love language that's when things are going to start clicking in our marriage absolutely, absolutely. yeah and, that, and that's kind of like the point and that point has been driven over and over and over right. and over again in this book right. and it's, it's still even after reading this book and knowing that it's still hard for me and it's hard for my wife I mean <laughs> what you about to say, Har? Most Americans, you know, they only speak one language. They don't try to learn another language. You know? Right. That's very true. So for most of us, it's what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, you know? because how can how you can't understand my, my love language or how you can't understand what I'm doing for you is important. I mean, it's so frustrating to communicate to people. Like, I, I, as an educator, I recognize that that is the most fr- the most frustrating thing that I have is being misunderstood, and that that goes with anything. You know, I'm teaching my daughter how to ride a bike and all of that. But you know, childhood experiences. I remember my dad yelling at me. He 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 wasn't a good teacher. But I can see where he was coming from if I was doing the same shit. <laughs> I can see now like why he would be frustrated. Cause you just you don't know only but the language that you speak. You know? And it makes you wonder, like, damn, how much energy you know, what is this speaking other languages? But I think if you can do it, I think if you can do it and you commit to it, and in this situation, um, we're left with a picture of something that worked. You know, two people was able to find a common ground. And, and be able to give each other what they needed. I think if you can devote that part, right, that I can I can I can commit to giving you what you need. That is bigger than the language. Loving the unlovely. That in that chapter, that was like one of the most difficult things to do. You really gotta want your relationship to work to do what Dr. Chapman suggested to Anne in this book. When Anne's husband refused to listen to her, to to go to counseling, he was like, in his mind, he was right, she was wrong, and it was simple as that. Her feelings of love for him had been killed through the years of his constant criticism and condemnation. And after 10 years of marriage, her emotional energy was depleted and her self-esteem almost destroyed. There was no hope for Anne's marriage. Could she love an unlovely husband? 
will he ever respond in love to her? Y'all remember that chapter? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Do y'all want to talk about it or y'all want me to read some passages? Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This even kind of stumped Dr. Chapman. He was like. That rough question. Go ahead with it. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was kind of like at a loss for words. So he had to go into his box and dig deep into his personal belief and his connection with Christ. And he said, let me read this little part. He said, I knew that Anne was a deeply religious person and that she attended church regularly. I surmised that perhaps her only hope for marital survival was in her faith. The next day with Anne in mind, I began to read Luke's account of Christ of life of Christ. I have always admired Luke's writing because he was a physician who gave great attention to detail and in the first century wrote an orderly account of teachings and lifestyle of Jesus of Nazareth. In what many have called Jesus's great greatest sermon, I read the following words, which I call love's greatest challenge. And this is Jesus' words. I mean, but you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do to others as you would have them to do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners can love those who love them. So basically he's saying it's really not a challenge to um, if you love those who love you. What credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But to love somebody who don't love you is the true testament of your character. That's not in the book. That's just something I said. It right, seems that's, to me that's what that, saying. that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. It seems to me that the profound challenge written almost 2000 years ago might be directed at Anne that Anne was looking for. But could she do it? Could anyone do it? Is it possible to love a spouse who has become your enemy? Is it possible to love one who curse you, mistreat you, and express feelings of contempt and hate for you? And if she could, could there be any payback? Would her husband ever change and begin to express love and care for her? It, I was astounded by this further word from Jesus' sermon. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it would be measured to you. Could that principle, a loving and unloving person, possibly work in a marriage as far gone as Anne's? I decided to do an experiment, and it would take uh, it would take as my hypothesis that if Anne could learn her husband's primary love language and speak it for a period of time, so that his emotional need for love was met. Eventually, he will reciprocate and begin to express love to her. I wonder, would it work? Now, that's him asking her to be totally selfless of herself and putting herself last so she can save her marriage by putting him first and getting pouring the love on him so heavily that he will begin to love her in return. You know who that sound like? What it sound like? Sound like Dr. Martin Luther King. <laughs> Love out thy enemies. <laughs> uh, 
you know, when they come and they beat us, just keep on marching. He ain't say no mess like that. Stop. (laughs) He did, though, man. That's that's, that's what's the thing. We're going to. We dog, we're gonna kill him with kindness. That ain't it's a different strategy, dog. It's a moral strategy. It's a way to it is a way to appeal to someone's morality and it requires a witness. Without a witness, you can't do it. Cause that nigga ain't gonna change. That's what Malcolm was trying to tell him. And the sacrifice that it takes. Anyway, we're going too far to other conversation. Hey, I think to your point, man, um, he played into her. Dr. Chapman was pimping. See, he he played into her um, religious orientation and vulnerability, and gave her that line because I know a lot of women were left like left right left right at this point. And, right. You know what I mean. Right. And it's and it's like why stay? For some reason, this time when I was listening to you read it, I didn't I didn't read this when I I didn't hear this when I read it myself. When I read it myself. I was caught in the story and the narrative, and it was intriguing. But for some reason, when when I'm listening to you read it, I'm thinking about black people's and, and white people's relationship coming out of slavery. I told you it's, it's kind of hard for me to get away from miseducation and this notion that we, you know, we. I'm watching this movie on um, on Prime called The Hunters, and it's about Nazi Nazi hunters in the '70s, and Al Pacino is playing this Jewish Nazi hunter in the '70s, and he speaks to this notion of why revenge is necessary and why you can't passively allow the people who harmed you to, to just keep living. And he says it so sarcastically looking at the screen. It's just like, yeah, black people, silly fuckers, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, they, they, they hold that narrative strong that you're supposed to get people back who do you dirty. And so black people have accepted their enemy and loved their enemy. And to your point, that was way before Dr. King. Yeah, what you're saying, it makes sense. But in a marriage, it's worth the fight because you got into it for a reason. You didn't get into it to get out of it. And with, with this experiment, what he's about to give her, I want to share that with you. As I'm telling you, as I'm listening to it, when you read it this time, that's what that's what conjured in my mind. I'm thinking about that relationship. And I'm thinking about right. how that scripture has been used to manipulate. And Dr. Chad right. is doing it once again. <laughs> you but, know. but this is not manipulation, though. This it is, is manipulation. Bruh, that is you know, manipulation, manipulation for a greater is. cause. Who, who says no. it's a greater cause? Bruh, it's, it's, it's to save her marriage. Who would you no, mean bruh. save her marriage? The marriage is, bro. Look, this is my opinion right here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't know. No, this is my opinion right here, man. Bro, at this point, man, uh, I was gonna say, man, like Doctor Chapman gave us some bad advice. Yes. Why? Think about, it, bro. Would you, would you, would, would you tell Nakaya to to stick around and be with somebody that mistreats her, cuss her out, uh, treats her all kind of bad, kind of crazy ways? No. And also, take, I mean, it's, look, but look, it, it, I, I ain't finished. It, it, it's also, it's also partly Anne's fault that because she had to see this in this man a long time ago. He had a repeat behavior of doing this to a long time ago prior to her getting married to this guy. And now she's married to this guy. She had wishful thinking. Now, where you see thinking. that in the book? I'm just saying, bro. Like, hey, come on. Before you marry somebody, you got to be in a relationship with them, Lenny. You got to be in a relationship well, with them. I, I mean, but we can't, we can't, we, we can't, they, we can't draw that alone. assumption, though. 
I agree with Walt that. I agree with Walt that. I don't. I don't. I, I wasn't digging Dr. Chapman's advice the first time I read it, and I certainly wasn't digging it the second time when I heard you hear it because I heard the manipulation, and I heard. Right. I, I heard how that scripture. Let is me speak really, on this. You can't speak, speak on, on it. it. Ain't nothing to speak on. <laughs> yeah, it is. You can't, you can't, you can't persuade the readers. You can't yeah. do that. You can't. It ain't nothing to speak on, dog. Dr. Chapman, right, you, that woman, right. you know what I'm saying? I've heard I've heard a, a, a woman in Islam preach a sermon, and, and, and she spoke to um, the challenges of living in a polygamous relationship and dealing with jealousy and envy and all these kind of things. She spoke to how the husband um, took her family out and gave them financial things and made sure they was well taken care of before he went off and married the second wife. So that that financial commitment, obviously, it matters. It matters a hell of a lot. But she talked about having to go into her deep circles and confide into her family members, her mothers and her, and her sisters. And but more importantly, that was Allah's test for her character is what she said. And that was the message she had to other women who were in those polygamous relationships that, that, that your feelings of envy and jealousy, these are Allah's tests and for you to become closer to him. And, and, and so I think religion plays a role in, in, in this woman being able to um, find a strength to deal with the, the man's, whatever he's doing this sister talked about having a financial kickback and then say nothing like that i think sometimes what i try to do and i'm not dr chapman obviously but what i've tried to you know you try to avoid igniting people sometimes and and it's a way you empower a person to take control of a situation i don't think dr chapman gave her gave Anne that advice to empower her I think he gave her the burden to fix the relationship. And I think it's a different, a different challenge of how you go about doing that. If you want to fix the relationship, if this is what you want, this is how you can do it. Here's an effort. Boom. But don't make it this person's burden to now I got, okay, this person's been mistreating me, doing all these things to me. So now I'm just going to just be nice to him and just love him out of it. <laughs> That's Man, crazy. All right, Harvey. So what you suggest that, uh, she does. If you was doctor, if if you was Harvey and you was giving her advice, what would you suggest? That That's she what I'm did? saying. Like if 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 she if she were trying to restore the relationship, then I would ask her to pay attention to the triggers and avoid the triggers and try to figure out what it is about those triggers and stay with those triggers. And that would be my thing. If she was trying, but but first thing is, are you trying to maintain the relationship? That is the question she has the first answer. And I don't know that he gives her an opportunity to, a- to answer that question. I think that she does want to uh, maintain a relationship because she was begging him to go to counseling. Man, That's I didn't seen I didn't seen a lot of women find strength and and getting out of those relationships, and and they don't make them bad. It don't make the man bad. I've 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 lost relationships with women because. I didn't respect their choices to divorce from their husbands. And I had to learn, man, that, hey, man, shit. <laughs> sometimes it just ain't meant for you to be in this relationship. And sometimes it takes a real grown person to walk away. But that ain't what Dr. Chapman doing, so we're we not going to make 
Agree Harvey, with you you said that the first question is, does she want to stay in this relationship? Right. And we can surmise based off the book, she does. That's why she's going to Dr. Chapman asking for help. So do she want to stay in a relationship? Check. Yes. To answer that question. So I guess what you, you, you are saying that you don't like what Dr. Chapman's doing, then you would just tell her to watch for the triggers. If, if, if she wanted, if, if she, she wanted to be, him, huh? no, no, no. If she, if she wanted to be in a relationship, then I would ask her to watch for the triggers. I, I that's, that would be my first step. You know what I'm saying? Cause I don't know that, I don't know that you can always change people. So I will, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out and give her an empowering way to go about dealing with it. I don't think he empowered her. I think he okay. made her more submissive. And Walter said something about staying in a relationship. And Walter, let me yeah. tell you, um, you can be in, a, you can be married to somebody. Let's say you and your wife. I know y'all knew y'all got married last year. Right. Let's say y'all, y'all, y'all worked up on, you had your business. Your wife ended up opening her a business. Y'all bought a house together. Y'all have kids, you know, some in college, some, you know, still y'all still raising everything that y'all got. Y'all got together. Right. right. And your family, her family, sometimes just saying bye and walking away, you walking away from a lot of stuff, right? And uh, I've heard somebody say getting a divorce is like dying mm. and being reborn again. Your old self just died. Mm. All, all them family members, you divorcing the family, everything, right? So it's not just easy. Yo, oh, this person mistreated me, blah, 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 walk away. So let's say what you said is true. Let's say he was like that you know, in the beginning. So what? Now we at a place where they've been married and it's not working right now. And she wants to make it work. Right. So Harvey, and he said, let's begin by stating our objective. I said, if in six months you could have your fondest wishes, what would it be? And sat in silent for some time. Then thoughtfully, she said, I would like to see us doing things together, going places together, I would like to feel that he is interested in my world. I like for him to listen to me. I would like for it, that he values my ideas. I would like to see us take trips together and have fun. I would like to know that he values our marriage more than anything. And pause and then continue. On my part, I would like to have warm, positive feelings towards him again. I would like to gain respect for him again. I would like to be proud of him. Right now, I don't have those feelings. As I was writing, I was writing as Anne was, Anne was speaking. And when she finished, I read out loud what she had said. That sounds like a pretty lofty objective, I said. But is that what you really want, Anne? More than anything. Then let's agree, I said. This will be our objective. In six months, we want to see you and Glenn having this kind of love. Now, let me suggest a hypothesis. Let's hypothesize that if you could speak Glenn's primary love language consistently for a six months period that somewhere along the line, his emotional need for love will begin to be met and his emotional tank is filled. He will begin to reciprocate love to you. I continue. You understand that this place, all the initiative in your hands. Why does that place the initiative in our hands, Harvey and Walt? Because Glenn stated clearly, he is not interested in going to see no counselor and he's right and she's wrong. So now if she wants this, she's going to have to do it all by herself. 
he ain't involved in this. I continue. You understand that this place, all the initiative in your hands. Glenn is not trying to work on his marriage. You are. But if you can channel your energies in the right direction, there's a good possibility that Glenn will eventually reciprocate. I read the other portion of Jesus' sermon recorded by Luke, the physician. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and run it over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Generally, uh, generally speaking, if we're kind and loving towards people, they will tend to be kind and loving towards us. Back to what you said, Harvey, about the manipulation. I get it. We are independent. <laughs> Thus, we can spurn love and walk away from love, even spit into the face of love. There's no guarantee that Glenn will respond to acts of love, but we can only say that there's a good possibility he would do so. So I want to be a better wife than you. Then we discuss Anne and Glenn's primary love language. But why? How, how was he able to get that point across? It was through the manipulation of her relationship with Jesus Christ and that religion. You cannot take that point away from me, Lenny. Yeah, That's but that whole, point and I, and, I, and I would have not made that point if I was canceling that woman. I would not have done that to that woman. I would not have used that angle to get to this point of trying to give her a tool to benefit her. That's all I'm saying. Bruh. And, bruh, the question has to be asked, dog. Like, why would Anne, or even why would Dr. Chapman um, even subject Anne to this much of emotional beating? Bruh, she's dealing with a lot of shit, man. Leave. <laughs> Leave, leave. Bro, sometimes bro. you gotta do that. Sometimes, leave, listen, man. Women I know who leave, they are doing great. It's the brothers, they're the ones that got the head down. The women leave, they straight. And maybe it's the finances, I don't know. But the women, they leave, dog, they go on and live life. It wasn't Dr. Chapman's uh, idea to stay in the marriage, it was her idea. She was coming to him to help her regain the love and trust. And respark her marriage. Of course, dog. That's what you do. You go to your, your barber to get your haircut. Right. So to put that on Dr. Chapman <laughs> is, is, is not really fair. Because no. he, he probably would have said, you need to run. No, he could have. He didn't. But he didn't say No, that. because she she said, I want to save it. And then he's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm here to do what you want to be done. And again, he could have told her something else. I told you, I would have told her something else. So I wouldn't have told her that. As a so, Lenny, as a counselor, do you suppose to tell the person what they want to hear or what they should hear? All right. As a counselor, you ask them, what is your main objective? No, but, but ask, ask them a question, though. Ask them a question. Should you tell a person well, what I they want to hear? All right, go. As, as a counselor, you ask them, what is your objective? Then you give them advice to, have, uh, to work towards their objective. After you know all the facts or before you know all the facts. Well, you can't give somebody advice unless you know the facts. Yeah. So after you know all the facts, his. I think. I think. I think that's where. I think that's where we. I think that's where I know. For me, as an educator, that's where I differ from counselors and social workers because I'm not going to go with that script. At some point, you have to tell the motherfucker, "I know what you think you want, but this is the reality that you face with." And what you want and what's best for you ain't what I want for you. I want you to have the same thing that you want. But what you telling me 
doesn't suggest that, you know? And if you want to stay in this relationship, I think what he told her was, okay, here's an option. You can try this. It might not work. That's exactly what he said. You got to say it the right way. And that's not, that's not how he said it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't keep it. No, 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 no. He, he told you how he he came came to her. He was like, shit, I don't really know the answer to this. No, no, he told you how he came to her. He very thought how he came to her. He went to Luke. He tapped into what he knew about her. After he said, after he said, damn, he was stumped and he had to ponder on that a little bit. That's what I'm saying. He went and got prepared. That's what I'm saying, dog. His his whole that wasn't spontaneous. He went and prepared that shit. Right. That's effort that I wouldn't have taken. I'd have told her, watch your motherfucking self. Protect yourself first and foremost. Okay, you say this dude is blowing up, snapping, he doing this in the third. What's leading into this? How is this happening? I'm not saying it's your fault, but what happened? You need to understand what happened. That's what I would say. And that's why I'm not a counselor. I can I do better when I understand wise. Some people don't like wise, dog. Some people just like what? They just want what the fuck they want. <laughs> Woo, that was a lot. The bros put their own spin on Dr. Chapman's The Five Love Languages. <laughs> If you hadn't done so, our next book is Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. So if you hadn't gone out and getting your book, please do so and join us on our next podcast as we review chapters one through four or probably chapters one through three, one through four. It depends on how the podcast turns out. But we hope you following us. And if you hadn't done so, click the subscribe button, leave us a five star rating and share with your friends. The Bruz Bookshelf. Thank you.